0: or sister is born for a time of adversity. I pray that you and I will begin uh, learning how we might be better friends to those who are around us. A friend loves at all times. That's the proverb that we're going to be focusing on today, Proverbs seventeen seventeen, and we are launching a, an exciting new series today called Friending. And I pray that you'll be here during these next four weeks as we focus on what it means to truly be friends to one another. The series is adapted from a series that I heard preached by Pastor Craig Rochelle of LifeChurch.tv out in Oklahoma City. You might have um, been familiar with the church, and if you're not, if you use the Version Bible app on your smartphone, then... You're using resources that are put out by Life Church. They are the ones who pioneered the YouVersion Bible app. And they make their teaching resources available to churches all over the globe at no cost. And so we're grateful that we can share some of these principles over the next several weeks as we've adapted the series uh, for our church family here at Huguenot Road. Uh, for many of us, if if we think about the importance of friends and think about the influence on on us. If we get our friends right, then they can help us in a lot of areas. But if we get our friends wrong, it can cause us pain, it can set up more trials, struggles, and it can even be destructive. This is especially true for our students. We're at an age where Friends can betray us, or we can think somebody is is our friend and they're really not, or we can be influenced by people who say they're our friend and they can lead us down a wrong path. So it's so important that we select our friends carefully, that we hang around with people who have some similar values and uh, morals as we do. Our key thought for this series that we're going to hit over and over again is this. If you're taking notes, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You heard read just a little earlier in the service from Proverbs 13:20, "Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm." So if you and I hang around with people who are a good influence, then generally we'll rise to their level. An example for me is in sports. When I was in high school, my best friend was Tony Sechrist, and we played tennis all the time, during the week, on the weekends, during the summers, and I never beat him. I tried, I gave it my best, but I never beat Tony in tennis. But I was a better tennis player, having played against someone who was better than me. My friend Scott is a far better pool player than I will ever be. I have beat him once. But I am a better pool player because I've played against Scott. Another proverb that you're familiar with says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. If we hang out with people who have the same or stronger values as we do, then I believe we will rise to that level. But if we hang out with a bunch of partiers who like to get in trouble, they are going to bring us down to where they are. And you've experienced this in your life. As I look back on my life, when I've had some good times, generally there are people who have helped spur me on, like you saw in the video clip, who came and met me where I was and encouraged me and helped me to be the best version of myself that I could be. But when I look back at times that I got in trouble, I rarely got in trouble alone think back in your life when you got in trouble and i would imagine that rarely you got in trouble alone you were riding with someone you were partying with someone you were dating someone hanging out with someone and that is where trouble began on Friday, we took Melanie's mom back home to South Carolina and we made the return trip yesterday. After having dinner, we stopped by the Kroger to get some things because Melanie's mom had been gone all week here helping us unpack and stuff and didn't have a lot of food in the refrigerator. So Isabella and I were hanging out on a little table in front of the Kroger while Melanie and her mom were in the store. It was about 10:30 at night. And I saw a pickup truck drive up with four young 20-something guys. And they came into the Kroger together, and a little while later, they walked out of the Kroger together with suitcases of beer. And they got into their truck, and they headed off. Rarely do we get in trouble alone. The people we are with generally are the ones where we get in trouble. So I want to ask you a question. If you take your bulletin, I want to ask you to write down your five closest friends. Your five closest friends, just their first names. And this is not going to come into me, this is just for you. And as you're writing, I want you to think about this principle. You are the average of your five closest friends. One uh, business psychologist and speaker named Jim Rohn famously says that we are the average of the five people we spend most of our time with. This relates to the law of averages. And he says, when it comes to relationships, we are greatly influenced whether we like it or not, by those closest to us. It affects our way of thinking, our self-esteem, and our decision-making. And he says, of course, everyone is their own person, but research has shown that we are more affected by our environment than we think. And if we really uh, process it, we're somewhere in the middle of our five closest friends. We become like the people we hang out with. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. So the question becomes for us, am I hanging out with the right people? If I really want to please God, am I surrounding myself with the right kind of people? This is so important for college students. In fact, if you are getting ready to go off to the college for the very first time, I encourage you to get connected with a faith-based ministry, whether it's campus ministry or a parachurch ministry or a congregation close to campus, where you can connect with a body of believers who can help spur you on in your faith while you're at college. Um, I've seen it so often where students will go off to college and they will not connect with a faith-based organization that has similar values that they do, and they slip away from church, and then they get out and they get a job, and maybe they get married, and maybe they start having kids, and they're trying to navigate all of these uh, times of life without a church family, without a faith community to help encourage them and nurture them. And often we see young people today trying to figure out life and they don't have that faith family to help them. We can change that church. We, we can help people understand what, what it means to be a good friend and to have friends in the family of faith. And I will say this. I don't mean that we have to give up hanging out with non-Christian people. In fact, I think that would be contrary to the gospel. Jesus desires that we are part of a faith community. Do not give up worshiping together, meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, as you heard read from Hebrews. We, We must maintain our fellowship in the community of faith, but at the same time be friends with people who are outside of the faith that we might have an opportunity to share the faith with them. And they may say, well, something different about you and tell me about it. I want to I want to be a part of that. I want to have that in my life. And and maybe you have the chance to share Christ with them in some way. So I'm not saying to live in the Christian bubble, but it's important that we have Christian friendships. Let's define friendship. This will guide us through the series. It's on the screen. A friend is someone you may or may not know very well who accepts your friend request on Facebook. This person likes your posts and makes you feel really good about yourself. Proverbs 1717: 17, 17, Facebook version. <laughs> of course, that's made up. But wouldn't you agree that this way of friending is having a huge impact on how we define friendships today? Here's what Solomon writes, and it's the message version. Friends love through all kinds of weather, and families stick together in all kinds of trouble. That's the message from Eugene Peterson. The NIV says that a brother, and we would say a brother or sister, is born for times of adversity. Wouldn't it be great if we had friends that would stick with us no matter what? Long-lasting friends who love you enough to tell you when you've crossed the line. Or when you've done something that's offensive. A friend that celebrates with you when things go well. A friend who cries with you during times of loss and hurt. A friend who loves at all times. That's the kind of friend I want to be. I would say to you very quickly that I'm not the best friend. I can do a whole lot better. I want to do better. I hope this series will help me as it helps you. The problem is that fewer of us today have these kinds of long-standing friendships. If you're like a lot of people, you may have written one or two friends down in the bulletin when I gave you those instructions earlier today. And you're not abnormal. 25 years ago, they say that the average person had three, some say as many as six close friends. Today, for most of us, it's one or two. Friendships are declining There are a few reasons, a lot of reasons actually, but a few that we might highlight today. One of them is increased work hours. We're working more and more and we're connecting less and less relationally. We're so tethered to our devices that we have less time for interfacing with others. I would say uh, to you, if you've ever gone out to lunch and your friend who's across from you, takes their phone out and lays it on the table that that shows you that there is something between you and if that text or email comes through, that person may pick it up and you are second to that text or email right there. Now, I do understand their business, that, I, I get that. You Don't, don't hear me wrong. Um, but we want to have relationships with people and, and we're allowing our work to get in the way of that. Another reason is rising divorce rates. If you've ever been through a divorce or know somebody who has, often, you know, the friends have to choose who am I going to remain friends with, him or her. You know, they split the house and the finances and the property and all of that, and often the friends struggle too. And another one is the explosion of social media. It has redefined how people define friendships. I'm not against social media. I think it's a great tool. I use Facebook and Twitter. I recently got invited to sign on LinkedIn, which is kind of a business networking social media. Um, There are a lot of ways to connect with people that are really great and share some cool things. Uh, We have the opportunity to share Christ in ways that we never would have thought out before before because of social media. But social media is redefining how we think about friends. Friends. For example, when I was in college, I never would have thought about going back to my dorm room and picking up the phone and calling my fraternity brothers. Hey, guys, listen, you wouldn't believe what I had for breakfast in the cafeteria today. It's sunny side up eggs, bacon, and the toast was just buttered so nicely. Hash brown, sausage. Oh, you should have been there. And call the next friend. Never would have thought. But we don't think twice about posting a picture of what we're eating and sending to all our friends, you know. So it's just, uh, you know, the friends that we have today are are not friends that we used to have, if you want to say it that way. These friends are influencing how we act and think, and many of them are not true friends at all. Let me share a a very important nugget about social media. Social media should not be a replacement for relationships. Should never be a replacement for relationships. I heard a great interview recently, or read a great interview recently from an author named Sherry Turkle, who wrote a book called Alone Together. The interview was on NPR. And she says that she does her field work in playgrounds. And she has spent time watching parents with their kids on playgrounds. And she says that most often when she's out doing her field work, that she sees parents Facebooking or texting or using their devices while their kids are out playing. And the kids are missing, the parents are missing interacting with their kids. Or today, she says that many parents are in the car talking on the phone while they're driving their kid to school and they're missing that opportunity to have some meaningful conversation on, on the way. There's a young man she interviewed that said that, he said, my dad and I used to watch the ball games on Sunday afternoon, and we used to talk, and sometimes he would share some of the uh, sports section with me in the Sunday paper, they would talk, and she said, now all he does is text and send emails, and he, and he said, I miss my dad. Don't let social media get in the way of your relationships or be a substitute for your relationships. Some families have no cell phone night where one night a week they turn their devices off and they put them away and they have some family time. Other families have a basket and they say at dinner time everybody turns their device off, puts it in the basket and then you can't check it until after dinner is over. Maybe you know something that works for you or have an idea. Maybe you'll post that to help encourage others and use social media for a good reason uh, and help, uh, help us. In the weeks that are ahead, we're going to learn more about what the Scriptures tell us about friendship. Next Sunday, we're going to look at David, King David, and we're going to see three friends that he had listed in Scripture and how they shaped his life. In the third week, We're going to focus on the importance of community in the life of Christians, and Matthew is going to bring that message, and I'm looking forward to hearing him preach that day because he has a passion for helping people engage in community. And then I'll wrap the series up with the fourth part that will help us to redefine some relationships. In other words, maybe we need to unfriend an unhealthy friend to us, and we'll talk about that. As we wrap up today, I want to leave you with two main applications for good friending. First, be present. Be present. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. Be present as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Be present As the author earlier said, we are often together, but we are absent. We are alone together. I believe that there is significant power in being present to one another. When we were at the Olive Garden Friday night, before we went to the Kroger, we were eating dinner, and I couldn't help but to see the table behind me. It was a family of four, mom and a dad, a teenage daughter, and a middle school son. The dad had no electronic device, and nobody talked to him the whole night. Poor guy, I felt sorry for him. But the the mom, she was on her phone while the server brought the salad. And she scooped the salad out, put it on her plate, and she's eating the salad and talking on her phone at the same time, and she did it most of the dinner. And then the daughter was on her uh, smartphone, and she was using her thumbs the whole evening and eating. The middle school son, he never sat down. He stood up at the edge of the table playing games on the little TV screen that Olive Garden puts there so that you can pay your bill and order extra appetizer or something. The the whole time. And then they came and they checked out. And and I'm not being judgmental. I'm just saying how often is it in our culture today that we are so um, connected with other people that we don't connect with our family who's closest to us? Don't allow social media to be a substitute for relationships. Be present. And second, get open. Get open. James 5.16 Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The, power, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Confess to one another. Pray for one another. This has the sense that we are to be together. There's something powerful about sharing real issues. Maybe you need to share with a pastor on our staff. Maybe you need a mentor. Maybe there's a close Christian friend that you can trust and share your deepest concerns with or your struggles. Maybe you need to seek out a Christian counselor or maybe you get get connected with a Sunday school class or a small group or maybe that person is your spouse. But you can be open to be able to share your, your hurts and your vulnerabilities be present, and be open. I believe that's exactly what Jesus did when He took bread. He was present with His disciples. Jesus was present with them. He knew their names. And He was also open with them, sharing His humanness. And Scripture records that He was open with us. When he prayed in the garden, Father, take this cup from me if it be your will, but not my will, but yours be done. We see Jesus being vulnerable. And we see Jesus being present. And we have this bread and this cup today as a reminder of his presence and his openness to us. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke and he said, this is my body given for you. As often as you meet, take, eat this do in remembrance of me. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup and he poured it out after blessing and said, This is my blood which is shed for you for the remission of your sins and the sins of many. As often as you meet, drink it, this do in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the coming of the Son of Man. Heavenly Father,